stay tuned for a word from the Lord. This morning is the second in a series of sermons in which we're sharing together and called the Sermon on the Amount. And what we are attempting to do is to look at some of the biblical passages that deal with money and possessions and those sorts of things because we live in a time in which money basically has taken over. I mean, you can't do anything without it. You have to have it to eat, sleep, drink, travel, work, play, stay warm, stay cold, anything. It's just our life revolves around it so much. Also, I found this time of the year it's a great time to stop and kind of evaluate where we are with how we're doing with our money and how we're using it and develop our plan for the year. And so I want to help you understand without beating you over the head about money what the Bible says because there are so many passages that deal with this issue. Now last week we looked at where your treasure is, there also is your heart. And if you didn't get to hear that sermon, I want to invite you to go to our website and either listen to it or download a podcast or get one of the CDs out there to build that into the foundation of, of this series. This morning I'd like you to turn now to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 15, the Apostle Paul here is writing to these early Christians and he says the following, he, meaning Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now this passage says a lot about the divinity of Jesus Christ. First, that he's the picture of God. If you want to know what God looks like, he's the image. Look at him. He was the firstborn of all creation. By him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Now let your mind get around that a minute. By Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth. That he was before all things, and that in him all things hold together. Now for the purposes of this series and this morning, I want you to see the little line in verse 16. All things were created by him and for him. All things were created by him and for him. In other words, it's all his. Everything we see, everything we know in this world, He is the owner of it all. He created it, and it's His. This is also true of money and possessions, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the world, all that we have, all that we see, all that we know, it's all His. God owns it all. Psalm 24, verse 1 says it this way, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it and all who live in it. It's all His. He's the Creator. He made it all. Everything. So here in Colossians 1.16, we're told that all things were created by Him and for Him. Everything belongs to Him. Now there's several aspects of this. First, He owns our time. Our time. 2 Peter 3.8 says... But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. Now, none of us have more than 24 hours in a day. Now, I know some of us try to put more 
in a day or, or stretch the day out, but we're only given 24 hours a day. We also know that most of us will sleep away about a third of our life. Time, this incredible thing. We try to organize how we use our time, but we can't change it. We try to maximize what we do with our time, but we can't change time. We have wonderful ways to watch the time, whether that's the sun or, or the weather or watches or clocks or cell phones, but we can't change time. We can change how we view time, I mean like our clocks, how we change our clocks for daylight savings time, but we can't change time. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 27, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? You can't. Now we know you can take some time off your life. Supposedly, you know, you smoke cigarettes, you know, that takes time off your life. Who here knows when your death day will be? I mean, we know when our birthday is going to be, right? We know when we were born. But when's your death day? When will that be? He owns our time whether we acknowledge this or not. And while I rush here and there to, and to and fro to keep my schedule and do all those things which I think are so important, it's all his time. So what I like to do is take a deep breath, exhale, and remember that I've been allotted only a certain number of hours on the planet. So relax. So try that. Just, just kind of relax a minute. Exhale. Okay, it's his time. He owns it. He owns the time. Second thing, he owns the land. Leviticus 25, 23, the Lord is speaking to the Israelites when they go into the promised land. And he says, he wants them to know and to make sure they remember this. The land is mine, and you are but aliens and my tenants. The land's his. We are but passing through. We are aliens in a foreign land. We are but stewards of the land we have. Do you remember the story of King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4? He has this dream and he can't figure out how, what's going on with this dream and so he calls Daniel to interpret it and Daniel lays out this incredible thing that's going to happen to Nebuchadnezzar and he just kind of puts it on a shelf. And a few days, a few days, or I should say a few weeks later, he's walking on his palace steps and in Daniel chapter 4, verse 3, 30, he says, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? And he was warned not to do that, and he, but he did it anyway. And then what ends up happening in the dream, you can read the rest of the story there in Daniel, what happens to Nebuchadnezzar. But he forgot. It was God who did it. It was God who gave him the land. The Israelites, when they were coming into the land, they were given... The Sinai Covenant, and part of that, the Lord says in Deuteronomy 8, When you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. He goes on and says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. You see, we are so prone as humans to, to think it's my land, but we're just passing through. We may hold an earthly deed to it, but soon somebody else is going to hold that deed. We're just passing through. Another aspect of God's ownership is he owns the animals, the animals of the earth. 
Psalm 50, verse 10, the Lord's speaking, and he says, Every animal of the forest is mine, and, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I'd not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. So all the animals belong to him. In Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking, and remember what he says here? You'll recognize this. Verse 26, 626, look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store in barns? And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He owns them. He owns all of them. God's sovereignty is over all of nature. The birds, human life, the lilies of the field, over your needs. He owns it all. Another aspect of this, he owns the gold and the silver. Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. The Lord says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. He owns all the money. It's all His. Now, some people never get this. But when you do, your whole perspective changes. You're actually able to enjoy your possessions and the things you have when you realize that He's the owner, not you. I'll never forget, I think it was about five or six years ago, hearing a man complaining that he just had to go to his beach house because he hadn't been there in a while. You know, he just hadn't been there in such a long time, he just had to go. It sounded like such a burden, such a chore. He couldn't enjoy it. What a pity. I don't know about you, but I mean, anytime I can go to the beach, I mean, let's go. I mean, I enjoy it. When you come to the realization that Jesus owns it all, no matter how hard you worked for it, you're then able to enjoy it. It's so freeing. Something happens within you. Too many of us, or for too many of us, our possessions and our money and our schedules, they own us. And it's taking the joy of life right out of us. Rather than them serving us, we're serving them. The Bible tells us about a man named Job. Job chapter, or the whole book of Job actually, but Job chapter 1 is where I'm referring. Job was blessed incredibly by the Lord. A very wealthy man. And in one day, it was gone. It was vanished. Now if you read the rest of the story of Job, we're told that he was given more blessings in the end because of his unwavering faith and his dedication to the Lord and his, his obedience to the Lord. But in the midst of his losses... After having found out he had lost everything, his livestock, his oxen, his cattle, his donkeys, his camels, his workers, and even his children, anything that was considered of value in that time period, it was just taken from him, just like that. And all this is told him in, in Job chapter 1, and this is how he responds. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. That's where we get that phrase that you hear, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. That's where that comes from. Now, I don't know if I would be able to respond like that, but he understood that God owned it all. He understood that the Lord is the owner, and he's just a temporary privileged person to be able to access and have what he had 
So he's able to say, the name of the Lord be praised. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Well, another aspect of God's ownership is that he owns all that we possess. Our health, our mind, our ideas, our family heritage, our education, our experience, our creativity. See, if it was not for him, we wouldn't have what we have. He even owns our bodies. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Chapter 6, verse 19, he's right into the Corinthian church. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. He owns all that we possess. Now, people say, well, I worked hard for what I have. I studied hard. I worked my way up the ladder. I saved. I invested. I made sale after sale. I sacrificed. And praise God you did. But who gave you a healthy body? Who gave you a sound mind? Who gave you the ability to go the extra mile? Who inspired you to save? Who inspired you to work hard? Who allowed you to be born into the family that you were born in if that was helpful? Who worked it out so that you could get an education? Who worked it out so that you were able to get that job or get that break or make those sales? The Lord, the Lord God. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. So much of that was out of your control. You were blessed. And yes, we can practice his principles from the Bible. We can think positive. We can reap what we sow. But it doesn't change the fact that all of it, all of it is because of him. It's because of him. He owns it all, whether we acknowledge that or not. He owns it all. All things come from thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. We say that a lot. That's from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. It's a prayer that, it's in the midst of a prayer that King Solomon was praying and dedicating the temple. But listen to the words of that. All things come from thee, and of thine own have I given thee. In other words, Lord, this offering that I'm giving, it's, it's just part of yours that I'm giving back. It's from you. The NIV translates it this way. Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Until we get this resolved in our thinking and in our attitudes, knowing all the principles in the Bible on money will not solve your problems in this area. Jesus is either the Lord over all or he's not Lord at all. Jesus is either the Lord over all or he's not the Lord at all. Now to be the Lord means to be the boss. To be the Lord means to be the master. To be the Lord means to be the owner. When the New Testament uses the word Lord, it doesn't refer to a tyrant or a slave driver or a demagogue. The New Testament word for Lord is a word called kurios in the Greek. And it literally means one who rules over us for our good. 
one who rules over us for our good. And that's what Lord is in the biblical sense. And that's what God is doing. He's ruling over us, but what? For our good. And Jesus is either the Lord or he's not the Lord at all. It's as Gandalf says in The Lord of the Rings, there is only one Lord of the ring, and he does not yield to another. It doesn't work to have him as a partial Lord. Either he's the Lord or he's not Lord at all. And when it comes to our lives, he's either Lord over all or he's not Lord at all. He's not really our Lord. And when it comes to our money and our possessions, I believe you and I have to be intentional about allowing Jesus to be Lord over this area of our lives. In our culture, it does not come naturally or easily. Intellectually, you have to come to a place where you understand that Jesus is the owner. That he not only created it and blessed it, but he owns it too. It's something you have, to, you have to get up here. And then once you get it up here, you then have to choose to allow him to be the Lord, to acknowledge his ownership and his lordship. I truly believe that most people in Western Christianity never get to the, this point in their spiritual life. They just don't get there. Without even knowing it, money and materialism are their gods. And they're their gods directing the way they use their time, what kind of job they have, what kind of work they do, where they live, who they hang out with, and it directs what little impact they have for the Lord while on the planet. They all sing, Hail the power of Jesus' name, or Crown Him with many crowns, or Jesus is Lord, or other songs which claim that Jesus is the Lord, but He's really not their Lord. Something else is. They pray prayers, Lord Jesus, do this. Lord Jesus, do that. Or Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And never realize he's not one's Lord. Every time we baptize someone, the question is asked, do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? And we respond, I do. Jesus is either the Lord of all or he's not really Lord at all. And if he's the Lord, that means he's the owner. He owns it. Is he your Lord? Is he your Lord? Years ago, before Allison and I had children, word got around that we would house sit for folks. And so before long, our phone was ringing off the hook, and we'd have people calling us up, would you come house sit? And basically, we'd move into their house for a weekend or a week, or I remember one summer, it was for six weeks. These folks left and gave us the keys. And it was really a nice thing, because these were nice houses. I mean, these weren't like our house. I mean, they were really nice houses. They had swimming pools and fancy gardens and all these kind of things, and they said, just use it as, as you'd like. And so I remember one 4th of July, we had a, a 4th of July party gathered around the pool with all our family and friends. It was great. And then when they got back, they gave us some money. They paid us for it. it was, and, and the service that we were providing for them was they could leave town, not worry about their house getting broke into, not worry about their plants being watered, all those things that happen in a house while you're gone. And we loved it. Now, we knew we didn't own the house, but we treated it like we did. 
by taking care of it and protecting it. We knew we didn't own the house, but we were able to use it as if it was ours. Under the guidelines the owner had set and with their blessing. I remember one, they had two Mercedes sitting out in the carport. You, you can't drive the Mercedes. Okay, we won't drive the Mercedes. <laughs> we knew we didn't own the house, but we sure knew the owners. And because we knew the owners, we treated it with respect and reverence and joy and were blessed in being able to use it. And not only that, after staying in the house for weeks or months, we received a reward. They paid us. They paid us. You'd think just having the stay in there would be a reward enough, but they paid us. The Lord is the owner, and he wants to bless us, and he wants to free us, but we have to acknowledge his ownership, and there is a reward. If not on earth, definitely in heaven. But there is a reward. So maybe try something like this. Say aloud to the Lord when you're walking through your house. I mean, you want to be by yourself or people are going to think you're crazy. But, but you know, just say, Lord, I thank you for this house. That This is your house. When you're driving in your car, Lord, this is your car. You're washing your car. Lord, this is your car. Acknowledge his ownership. You're working in the garden. Lord, this is your garden. Something happens when you do that. Internally, it frees you. It's the way God made us. Imagine yourself in partnership with the Lord with your material things. It's not your stuff. It's His. This week I was reading Andrew Murray and I came across some guidelines that he actually had about money. And I've entitled Andrew Murray's Guidance on Letting Jesus Be Lord Over Our Money. And I put this in your sermon notes so you can take it home and reflect on it because I think he says some good things here. The first is to receive all your money with thanksgiving as coming from God in answer to the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Isn't that good? What if that, that alone would change our whole perspective? Secondly, lay it all down before God as belonging to Him. Say with the woman, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord. It's, it's His. Dedicate it to Him. Third, let your de- and this is, this is a key one. Let your dealings with money be a part of your spiritual life. Receive and possess and give out your money as one who has been bought at a high price, redeemed, not with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. See, we tend to separate them. Here's, here's church, here's spiritual life, here's, and then here's money, here's business or whatever. Treat your money as part of your spiritual life. Fourth, make what the Word of God says of money, of earthly goods, a special study. And I think for us today, that is so key. Study it. Make it a study in your life. See what the Bible has to say about money. In Andrew Murray's day, which was in the 1800s, they knew the Bible a lot better than most of us. The typical layperson knew the Bible way better than we do. So make it a study and see what the Bible says about money and things. The word of the Father alone teaches how the child of God is to use blessing. So take those and, and reflect on them and allow them to affect your life. He has a prayer that, that he offered, I found in, in his book, and I'm going to pray this on our behalf, but I want to encourage you to take it home and, 
in, in your own private time with the Lord, get to a place where you can pray this prayer. Lord God, make me properly discern in what close connection my money stands with my spiritual life. Let the Holy Spirit lead and sanctify me so that all my earning and receiving, my keeping and dispensing of money may always be pleasing to you and a blessing to my soul. Amen. If you would like to get a copy of today's message, write to us at P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Or you can order online at awordfromthelord.org. If you have any comments or questions, you can email Foley at foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. For everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.